Hi, I'm Andrea Olson, and you're listening to the More of What Matters podcast, honest conversations for daring women. In this podcast, we explore all the ways life on the inside can feel as good as success on the outside. If you aspire to create a home, workplace, and community that reflects your values, you've found your spot here. I am a wife, a mom, an entrepreneur and business owner and coach with over 17 years of experience who knows success is only one piece of the conversation. We go deeper here. Let's jump right in. Hello, friends. Welcome to today's episode. I really want to talk about this because I know that many of you listening, probably at some point, maybe right now, maybe in the past, maybe you will in the future, uh, struggle with decision-making paralysis. Okay, let's talk about what that is. It can come to the surface in a lot of different ways. And so I want to walk you through kind of what recognizing the signs of it looks like, because obviously you can't address it if you're not noticing the signs and signals. And there are several indicators, and then I'm going to walk through some specific strategies to overcome this. I am a business and life coach that works with women who are high achieving, who want more from their life than merely their success and achievements. They want their life to reflect the things that matter to them, which includes success, but it's not limited to. So a lot of times when I'm working with women specifically targeting this, what is it that matters to them? They go into this state because I've gone into it. I feel very equipped to be able to help this this woman because I have been her as well. You go into this state of everything's important or nothing's important. It's kind of this all or nothing mentality that kicks in. Now, a lot of times we just rely on what has always been important to guide our decision making. And that serves us to an extent. It can be a really good barometer of pursuing things that do have lasting impact. But sometimes if we're trying to get out of some habits that are so deeply ingrained, we can start uh, doing some of these things. And I'm going to walk through what those things are. The first, which I think is the first thing most of us think of when we think of decision-making paralysis, is overthinking. And this, this category, obviously, you probably are familiar with what that looks like or feels like, but overthinking is just constantly dwelling on potential outcomes without reaching an actual decision. It, this can be like just wanting to continue to gather different ideas um, because you're, you're dwelling on all the potential outcomes. And then you start going deeper on, oh, but what if this and what if that? And like without actually taking any real action so that you don't get any real-time feedback. I always tell the client, one of the ways to work through this, um, and we'll talk about this more, is actually make a decision that is not catastrophic either way, right? It could be really, really good. It could be really, really bad. Maybe don't make that decision first. Just make a simpler decision and then notice that you're going to get some feedback one way or the other. And if it's completely neutral, then all that overthinking was actually proof that you don't need to be doing that because we we do often get into the habit of overthinking without realizing it. So one of the ways that you can do this, if it's a simpler decision, not like a lifelong one, is you could even set a time limit for making that decision. Um, if you're considering 
let's say you're considering starting a program, like you're looking into this program online, you're really excited about it, but you have some hangups, you're starting to overthink about the cost and the time and all these things. I would recommend you actually set a time. And a lot of times there is a time limit on a special offer or a special discount, but let's say there's not. And you set a time frame that is reasonable for you to look into it, consider your options and make a decision. And likely the natural instinct, if you're an overthinker, is to give yourself way more time than you really need, which is going to fuel the overthinking. So if you can trim that back slightly, a little bit less than you would naturally give, you're probably still within the range of plenty of time. And then trust your instincts and aim for a good enough result instead of perfection. One of the ways you can often tell what you really want is like, if you were to say, I'm going to flip a coin, right? And then you you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to flip the coin. What side do I actually want to be showing? That's going to tell you a lot without even using that to guide your decision making. So again, overthinking, a really classic um, indicator of decision making paralysis. Number two, and I know a lot of us fall into this. And so obviously these are categories that At any point in time, depending on the decision, we could fall into these categories. The second is the fear of making a mistake. A lot of times we are thinking of a big mistake, like a mistake that could set us on a path of, you know, going off course and all the possible ways that that could impact lifelong decisions or even just time wasted. Most of us just hate the idea of wasting any amount of time. And so the signal of this is that we avoid making decisions due to the fear of making the wrong choice. Well, ultimately, that is making a choice too, right? Avoiding making a decision is actually a choice, and it can also waste a lot of time. So one of the reasons that this fear is so silly when you break it down is that we think that making a mistake always has to do with taking some sort of action, when we don't realize that inaction of not making a choice can also be a very detrimental mistake. So one way to address this is embrace the possibility of making mistakes as part of learning, like that that's actually a good thing because it's going to give you feedback. You're going to learn lessons and regardless of the outcome, you're going to survive it. Like it's likely not a decision that is going to send you so permanently off course that you can't redirect, especially if you're talking about a life decision or business decision that's not permanent in nature. Okay, the third indicator of decision-making paralysis would be just this information overload. I find myself really naturally falling into this category because I love access to all of the resources that are out there for anything I want to know. I mean, I'm a lifelong learner. I am a coach. I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. I am a reader. I'm a podcaster. I just, oh, I love it. And my background in, in school was organizational communications and training and development, both both areas where, you know, that information pull is a very big resource. Like it's a positive thing because you can actually glean so much great insight and you can build upon your theory and you can test that theory. And it's just, it's kind of like how I'm wired. However, that endless research and collection without reaching a conclusion is just a huge waste of time. Now, I very much believe it's all useful. It will be put to use at some point. But what I have had to train myself on, and maybe you're in the same 
boat is figure out what is it that I am making a decision on, like actually define a clear decision-making criteria and then limit that information gathering phase and prioritize it into relevant data. So let's say I'm making a decision on a program I want to pursue. We'll use that same example. I am going to say, okay, I'm going to focus on programs that are largely tied to Instagram and LinkedIn, or let's just say those two. And then I'm only going to consider programs that have partnership that is both live and recorded. Let's just say that was important to me. That's going to narrow down my pool significantly. It's also going to mean my question set is very directed when I'm starting to gather. And then I'm going to say, okay, and then once I've collected 10 really good options, then I'm going to pour through those options and make the best decision for me based on criteria I've set. That is how you get through information overload. Maybe it's not a time-bound delivery. For me, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But it is going to be unlimiting the number of things I consider because for me, that has been actually my greatest temptation. I can make quick decisions, but I usually put them off because I'm still in gathering mode. I do this with like decorating in my own home because I'm like, well, surely there's going to be other things I want to look at. Meanwhile, I, you know, sit with a wall completely blank for six months when a lot of people would just say, oh, I really love that painting. I'm going to get that. If it's within my budget, I love it. I'm going to get that. And I've gotten a little bit better at that over the last, I would say, couple years. But the reason that I have struggled with that is more that there are just so many good options and I'm well aware that there are. And so noticing the pattern so you don't stay in that pattern is a big piece of the puzzle. Okay. The fourth way that we keep ourselves in decision-making paralysis is procrastination. Okay. So we can get into the habit of being a procrastinator by just delaying our decisions over and over again. Okay. And a lot of times we know this about ourselves. We even might like say things in a, you know, funny way. Like I'm just, I'm going to just kick that ball down the, the, the field a little bit longer. And it's okay. If there's a purpose to the procrastination, there is actually value there. That's something we could talk about on a whole other episode. But when it becomes a habit that you're not making a decision, that is actually a decision. And it can really be important to break down the decision into smaller steps. So this is one of the ways that I've learned to help my clients best with it is, okay, so you're not ready to make a decision on what school to send your child to, right? Like, let's just say that's the big life goal we're working through. You're not, you're not committed to that yet. You're not ready to make that decision. You don't have to make that decision today. Great. But let's break down the decision into smaller steps. Let's start by visiting the options of places that you're considering. Let's set up some informational conversations with people who attend those schools, parents of people who attend those schools so you can get a better sense of the options and and get some of that feedback going. So maybe you're naturally going to narrow it down just by having had those conversations and visited the schools and asked your questions. And then set some deadlines for each of those tasks because that is the tendency, right? That prolonged procrastination. And then you're marching into a timeline that maybe does exist. Like we have to make a decision by 
X date. Well, now you've broken it into smaller steps. So it's not just this hurry up at the end, rush decision that may not be your highest quality decision. Okay. So those are the four big categories of like how it shows up in our life. I want to give you some practical strategies to overcome this, no matter what area you find yourself falling in most. And I would love to hear like in the show notes, after you look at all of this, to be able to send me a message on Instagram and let me know, like, where do you feel like you fall the most and what help do you need there? Because that that is an area of life that I think a lot of us have taken for granted. Some people are really effective in making high quality decisions quickly and efficiently, and they feel good about their decisions. Others make decisions quickly, but never feel great about them. Some don't make decisions at all, and that's a decision. And some take forever to make a decision and don't feel great about it. And some do, but ultimately that's a pretty small group of people that take a long time and then feel great about it. So even though a lot of times we do this to ourselves, we're not really that satisfied even when we do it. So I want to help you overcome this because the paralysis piece of decision-making is more avoidable than you might think. Okay. The first is you want to define your values and priorities. This is where more of what matters has always come from because when you can clearly articulate your values and priorities, then this is going to provide a foundation for decision-making and help you filter options based on what aligns with your goals and your purpose. So even if in this stage of life, like you can really only think of a couple keywords like family and faith and community, let's say those are the words that come to mind when you're making this decision about a school. So that's going to help guide you. Like those things have to really be present in this school decision for it to be a good decision for your family, right? So now you're at least identifying, okay, what are my priorities? And then if you, of course, if you can dig deeper than just some key words, you're going to get even more clarity as you're starting to narrow down your funnel of making a choice. Okay, the second thing, which helps nearly everyone, is set some sort of time limit. Even if we're talking months, it's still better to know at what end do I need to make an actual choice on this matter. So let's say you only have a week. Okay, well, that's, you know, pretty short window. You you have that clarity. But if you have months, it's still helpful to know because time moves as quickly as you allow it to move in the sense of decision-making. So allocating a specific amount of time for making the decision sometimes is useful, even if there's no reason for an end date. Let's say there's um, there's no there's no reason attached. It's purely your own choice. Like, what are you going to do next? A lot of times we will leave that open-ended. Like if you're considering a business and you're like, you know, I'm just going to wait until I feel ready for it. I will promise you that will never actually happen. You might feel ready out of necessity, like something may happen that means you have to pursue creating another source of income. But by that point, you're actually kind of late to the game. So what I recommend is get the information you need that you feel really good about gathering, gather that information, but set an actual time limit. I'm going to consider this for about the next two weeks, and I'm going to make sure I get all my questions answered, and I'm going to prevent myself from overthinking because I'm going to force myself to make some choices within a reasonable timeline, okay? This may or may not be you know, the right fit, depending on what it is you're considering. But a lot of times, if we really think about why have we left it open-ended, it's purely out of avoidance and actual procrastination. It is not because we don't have enough information at our fingertips to make a choice. Okay. The third is sometimes you have to limit your options. And this is what 
I have put so much effort into practicing because this is what was happening for me. I was not narrowing down my choices to a manageable number. I just had, I had 52 tabs open on my computer and I was considering all of them. Maybe not equally, but in my brain, my brain could not narrow it down. So too many options are just going to be completely overwhelming. And that's actually going to contribute to your decision-making paralysis. Like you're not going to be able to get out of it. So limit your options, maybe pick your top three, look at those top three, you know, and then make a choice. The fourth is occasionally it is valuable to seek input from others, especially if it's um, trusted family members, trusted friends, colleagues, mentors. Getting some external perspectives can provide valuable insights and help you gain clarity when these people understand what you're trying to do, right? And of course, this is not a crowdsource every idea because that is not going to increase your decision-making ability. It may decrease it. So be very purposeful about who you're asking, why you're asking, what you're asking them to give feedback on, and then also making sure they know like that's valuable feedback. It may or may not be your decision ultimately, but you really appreciate their insight. Again, if you always ask and you never take their insights, you likely aren't going to get super valuable feedback in the future. So just be mindful of who you ask, what you ask of them, how much time you're asking for them to give you. But it can be really valuable, especially if you really trust this person. The fifth would be visualize the future. Like imagine the potential outcomes of each choice and sit with that for a second and see what that feels like. So like you're not just signing up to take a course, you're changing, right? You're growing. So who are you growing into if you take this course? Who are you growing into if you take that course? You become like the people you're spending time with or the people you're learning from. So is that somebody you want to become more like? Think about that. And and maybe there's things about them you really like. Maybe their success is appealing, but you're like, gosh, I just don't know if I really want to become like her. Well, that's okay. But notice that and have that help guide your decision making because that's visualizing the future. This can really help you assess the possible long-term and short-term consequences of making a choice and make sure it does align with your vision of you in the future. The last one here is you are going to have to learn to tolerate a little bit of uncertainty. Like this is hard because it's not our natural instinct as humans to want any uncertainty, but you are going to learn to tolerate some amount of it because not all decisions are even going to have a right or wrong answer. Most do not. There's very few that are just that clear cut. So once you can embrace uncertainty and focus on making the best decision with whatever information is available in the time frame you have, you're going to feel good knowing that even with that little bit of uncertainty there or a lot of uncertainty there, you made the right decision for you at the time. And that is valuable. Like that's, that's an okay place to be. You don't need to knock yourself down on that choice. You can choose and then choose again, right? And so I want to give you that permission right now if you're thinking, I have to be perfect at this in order to be a high quality decision maker. You don't, first of all. And it's also the reason a lot of people do choose to work with a mentor or a coach is that you can speed through some of this without cluttering your view. Um, But these are the tips that you can actually apply to your own decision-making yourself today. And I would really love to hear what value you got from this and also what takeaways, because to me, these are things that could impact your life today if you let them. And I'm really excited to hear how they do that. 
Thank you so much for hanging out with me today on the More of What Matters podcast. I hope you're taking away some really powerful insights from this episode. I can't wait to hear how you're applying the inspiration you received today in your own life. DM me on Instagram. I'm at always a and more of what matters podcast and let me know what's leaving you lit up so I can cheer you on. And also, would you mind doing me a huge favor if you haven't already? The best way to spread the word about the value of this podcast is when you rate, review and subscribe and share it to your IG stories tagging me. I read every single review and appreciate every five-star rating more than you know. Thanks for making a meaningful impact where you are. I always love to hear about what more of what matters means to you.